And we're talking about these ideas that we are all in on as a church. Uh, what we call them are core values. And the core value I wanna talk about today is this core value of we are passionate about generosity. No amens right there. <laughs> it's, it's Christmas season, I can tell Thanksgiving is over <laughs> and people are thinking about gifts and how are we gonna afford this Christmas. And what's crazy about this time of year is we're actually going to, uh, over the last four weeks of December, take up offerings every week uh, as a year-end offering, as a gift, um, not only for the needs that we have as far as the remodeling that we're doing in the sanctuary and the paving and the kids' rooms and all of that stuff, but truly when you give towards the vision, you're, just, you're not just giving towards what is, you're giving towards what will be. And uh, so we're asking you to bring God a gift. As you're giving all these gifts away this Christmas, bring a gift to the Lord. This project that we're doing is gonna cost a little over $400,000. And we're just honestly believing that we've already got it in the bank. It's not like we have to take up an offering to do it. We're actually just inviting you to be a part of the process um, so that you can contribute to that, not just the now need, but the future needs. Um, imagine if all $400,000 came in and next year we have that $400,000 to do other things and to, to do and give even more. And so I'm excited about that. So today I wanna talk about generosity. It's not my favorite topic to talk about in church, money. Um, so now, now's the time. If you wanna leave, like now's the time to leave. It's gonna be really awkward right in the middle of my sermon for you to leave. Just heads up. <laughs> Was all be like, what happened? Did they, no, they didn't like that part, I guess. So they're gone, see ya. <laughs> but no, I'm just messing. But today, it's, uh, it's, a, it's a tough topic for me. I'm not, this is not my comfort zone. Uh, it's like talking about um, raising kids. I haven't fully raised one child yet to marriage and grandchildren, so I really don't know what I'm doing. I think when they all get out of the house and if they're, they're all kind of, partially sane, then maybe I'll feel confident talking about how to raise kids. But right now, it's just not a comfort zone for me. So this is out of my comfort zone. So I completely am relying on God today and uh, a little bit of help from you if you would just kind of, if you agree with something, say amen, make me feel like I'm hitting the target a little bit today. All right, okay. Mark chapter 6. And uh, we're gonna go verse 34, and I'm gonna read 10 verses out of Mark chapter six. And I'm gonna read from the New Living Translation. And uh, I, I love this story in the Bible. It's one of my, one of my favorites. That's what the Bible says. So Jesus saw the huge crowd as he stepped from the boat, and he had compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. So he began teaching them many things. Late in the afternoon, his disciples came to him and said, this is a remote place and it's already getting late. There's no Carabas nearby for us. Inside joke. Uh, send the crowds away so they can go nearby to the nearby farms and villages to buy something to eat. But Jesus said, you feed them. With what? They asked. We'd have to work for months to earn enough money to buy food for all these people. And Jesus said, how much do you have? He said, go ask and find out. So they came back and they reported, we have five loaves of bread and two fish. Then Jesus told the disciples to have the people sit down in groups on the green grass. 
So they sat down in groups of 50 or 100. And then Jesus took the loaves and two fish. He looked up toward heaven. He blessed them. Then breaking the loaves into pieces, he kept giving the bread to the disciples so they could distribute it to the people. He also divided the fish for everyone to share. And they all ate, watch this, as much as they wanted. And afterwards, the disciples picked up 12 baskets of leftover bread and fish. A total of 5,000 men and their families were fed that day. I want to talk to you today, particularly on the subject of, of generosity, but on this idea, how to, how to create a mindset of abundance, how to create a mindset of abundance. I, I think that most people that, that are living today have a poverty mindset. What I mean by that is poverty hits your mind before it hits your wallet. And, and so, so I wanna talk to you today about changing your mindset when it comes to money, a mindset of abundance. And, and I think in our lives, we, we get into cycles, don't we? And so what I wanna talk to you today about is breaking the cycle of poverty in your life, not just in your resources, but in your mind. Because remember, I've told you this, if you can't get your life out, get your mind out and your life will follow. Can somebody say amen? And so I, I think this is gonna help today. Jesus, we thank you for this incredible opportunity to be in your house. I'm asking over these next few moments, you speak very clear to us. Uh, let, let all the muddied water when it comes to finances be cleared up in Jesus' name. Let people leave here with a sense of confidence and hope when it comes to their resources. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Everyone said, amen. Somebody's like, why do you wanna talk about money? Well, well money is one of the most important issues in the world today. Money clearly was one of the most important issues to Jesus. He talked about money more than he did hell. Over 800 times the Bible talks about the issue of money and resources. It's very important to God. Matter of fact, the Bible says where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Our resources are very important to God because our resources and where we put our resources really speak to the condition of our heart. And so I wanna talk about it today because this is not just an important subject in our society, and not just an important subject when it comes to this time of year, but it's an important subject to God, and he cares about this in your life. I'm looking here at this story, and I see two different mindsets. I see two different mindsets. And what I see is I see a Jesus who is commanding his disciples to feed these people, and I see two different mindsets occur. I see the disciples who say, with what? looking around and saying, hey, we've got no money, we've got no bread. So their mindset is with what? And Jesus looks at them and says, well, what do you have? And they're like, well, we just said with what? <laughs> He's like, go and see. Sometimes it takes a real clear evaluation of our life to see what we have. I told you this a few weeks ago, we were talking about what we have left is so powerful. Uh, it's so significant, there's so much in it. We were talking about the widow with, with the oil and she looked around and she said, I have nothing but, right? So there's this mindset that says I have nothing. There's this mindset that says with what? And there's another mindset that says, what do you have? Go and look, go and see. What do I have to offer? I want to just give you a statistic that was pretty alarming to me. I didn't realize this, but this was, this was alarming to me, it, that Americans 
give 2.8% of their income away to, to generosity, in generosity, to charitable organizations, to churches, to different groups. 2.8% of our income as Americans is given away to help people, 2.8%. And some people are like, well, if I had more, I would give more. Well, statistically, that's just not true. People who make $100,000 or more actually give less than that average. They give 2.6% of their income away. People who make less than $100,000 give over 3% of their income away. So this, this idea that if I had more, I would give more. No, more is, is not your issue. Your mindset is your issue. If I had more, I'd give more. It's just not true. It's just not true. Why, why is it important for us to deal with the mindset of poverty? Because like I said before, poverty most of the time begins in the wallet or begins in the mind before it shows up in the wallet. In America, uh, the, rich, the, the riches of, of us are very rich. In, in America, the poorest of us are actually very rich. When you look at the world globally, if you have a car, you are in the, you are in the top 10% of wealth in the world. If you have a vehicle, I think it's somewhere near 40% of people in the earth do not have access to proper uh, devices of sanitation, toilets, running water. One in three people in the entire world lives on less than $2 a day. And we're walking around saying we're, we're, we're poor and we're broke. We're, we, we might be broke, but it's not, we're not broke because we don't have enough. In America, we are broke because we have, we have entered into a lifestyle that our finances cannot maintain. We, we spend so much of our money on things that provide no true return, and we spend, we, we spend, we spend so much money on things that, that really only provide a sense of significance and happiness for a moment. This is what someone said one time. They said, we, we buy stuff we don't need with money we don't have to impress people we don't like. That's Christmas. <laughs> and then we get upset because we, 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 we're broke and the reality is, is no, no you're, you're not truly poor. You're not, you might be broke, but you're not poor. Our problem has, has been we don't think right about money. We don't think the right way about money. Biblically, every time God brings increase into our lives, um, it was for two things. It was to give or to save. For Americans, when we get increase, we think, well, that 65-inch television just isn't big enough anymore. Because I moved into, I, I bought a bigger house, my mantle is bigger, now my mantle requires, my old mantle would only house a 65-inch television screen, this one requires 85 inches, and, 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 and HD isn't good anymore, now we need 4K Ultra HD. My son was talking to me the other day, he said, Dad, there's, there's a PlayStation 4 
regular version and there's a PlayStation Plus, like it's a pro version. And dad, I'm so good at games that I need to upgrade. Every time we get increase, we see it as an opportunity for more and bigger stuff. Biblically, God uses increase as an opportunity for us to give and to save. In Genesis chapter 41, the Bible tells an interesting story there. There's a man named Joseph and there's, man, there's this Pharaoh and he's having these crazy dreams and Joseph is the only one that's able to interpret his dreams. Well, he has this crazy dream about scarecrows and all this weird stuff and Joseph said very simply, this is what your dream means. We're getting ready to come into seven years of an abundance and then after that there's gonna be seven years of famine. What we're gonna do is during the seven years of abundance we're gonna save enough so that during the seven years of famine, we do not lack. And the Bible says when the seven years of famine got there, everyone experienced the, the pain of the famine except for this group of people in Egypt they had saved during the seven years of increase. Can I tell you that most of the time when God gives you a raise or he gives you a promotion, it's not to get bigger and better, it's he's preparing you for a famine. That's good teaching, Rob. So you need to change your mindset. I, I, don't get, I, don't get, I don't get the increase so that I can get bigger and better. I get the increase so that I can prepare for times of lack. And then we get into a time of lack and we're complaining because we're in lack and we're mad at God and we're mad at other people because they're not helping us. And God said, I tried to help you seven years ago. I gave you seven years of increase to prepare you for this time of lack, but you used it as an opportunity to buy stuff, and I was trying to get you to invest it. Okay. If you would have invested it seven years later, you could have bought three of whatever you bought one of the first time. But, okay. I'm just, I'm j I just want to help you, okay? I'm not trying to offend you. Maybe I am trying to offend you, because sometimes the only way we can get, we can really receive change in our lives is to get offended a little bit. So if you're a little bit uncomfortable, I'm uncomfortable too right now. So pray for me and I'll pray for you. Let's just stick it out, because I think God's got something to say to us. Poverty is a mindset. What happens to us? Um, can, I, I'll give you this. Poverty is a mentality that has nothing a poverty mindset is a mentality that has really nothing to do with how much you make, but how you see what you have, how you use what you have. If you are, if you are, if, if, if words like this are coming out of your mind often, you've got a poverty mindset. You, you're, you're saying stuff like, I wish I could do more, but I can't. I never can seem to get ahead. There's never enough. And then what happens is we begin to make ourselves, we turn ourselves into a victim of our circumstances. And, and being, can I tell you, being a victim, I love it. Being a victim is great because you get all the attention. No wonder we turn ourselves into a, a victim. It feels good because we turn the attention on ourselves. And what we're starving for is attention. And, and then we start to believe that everything that's happening to us is the result of decisions other people have made. <laughs> I told you this was not gonna be easy. And, and, then, and then what? some other things we do, watch this, we, we get offended or defensive when, when people start talking about money. 
So the moment I mention generosity or mention a scripture about giving, our defenses go up. I'm all right. I'm just, I'm trying to help. Or, or you, you, um, you, you uh, oh man, do I have to say this, Lord? Yes, I have to say it. We, we begin to think that the people we have given to or we have helped owe us something. If you think somebody owes you something because of something you've done for them, you didn't do it for them with the right reason and in the right motive. That was not generosity. That was a down payment. It was not generosity. Okay. Uh, You start to get critical of the way others spend their money. Why? Because you've mismanaged yours. Most of the time we criticize in others what we won't deal with in ourselves. Have you ever noticed like these, some of these, some of these people that go on these rants about like, like, like a certain lifestyle or certain thing that they hate or God's against this group of people? Have, have you ever noticed that that same person leading the charge on that becomes exactly what they were going after? You ever noticed that? Um, John chapter 12. Uh, this, this story is, is really important. John chapter 12, the Bible talks about Judas and, and this woman, she brings this bottle of perfume and opens it up for Jesus and pours it all over him. And, and Judas gets all upset because he goes, you could have taken that money and given all of that money to poor people. And I'm, that's, you got a good point, Judas. And, but Judas wasn't saying that because he cared about poor people. This mindset that you can't be extravagant on God and there's, if, if you're extravagant with the things of God, then, then, then there's nothing left to help the poor. That does not honor God. That acts as if God doesn't have enough to do both. I've been criticized for putting a nice sound system in here because you could have taken that money and given it to poor people. Well, what you're saying is God doesn't have enough money to buy a sound system and help poor people at the same time. That's like getting mad at God because now I'm I'm down here suffering, but your streets are paved with gold. It's a mentality. It's a mindset. It hits your mind before it hits your wallet. And we've got to change. A mindset becomes a cycle. And the only way you get out of a cycle is to break the cycle. You have to create a new momentum in your life. Poverty has a momentum to it. It, it, becomes, it becomes generational. It becomes something you pass on to your, your children. And now you were critical. Now your kids are hypercritical. Remember David? Remember, remember when David was out in the streets and he was acting a fool and like dancing all over the place for Jesus? And, and the Bible says he got home and his wife said, you're act, acting like a fool. And he said, oh, I ain't even gotten started yet. He said, you want to see crazy, I'll get even more crazier than this. Do you know why she, she acted that way? Because she was Saul's daughter. She hated his worship because her daddy hated his gift. I'm just telling you, you, you pass these mindsets on to your, and you have to break this cycle in your life. You have to break it. 
It's a poverty mindset. Let me, let me, let me kind of give you the cycle, the picture of a, of a poverty cycle. How many of you believe that everything you have is, is from God? Like, God, God's the one who gives. God is the author of your life. If you have a job, it's because God has given you the skills and the ability to work that job. I, I believe that. And so for you to follow and track with me the rest of the way for these next eight minutes, you have to believe that God is the author of everything. God is the giver of life. He is the one who blesses. He is the one who provides. He truly is, is that. You have to believe that, okay? So if we believe that, here's, here's the picture of a poverty cycle. God blesses, we consume. We lack, we fear, we blame and complain. And then it starts back over. God blesses, we consume, we lack, we fear, we blame and complain. Would you... Would you believe that God gives and blesses us before we ever give and bless God? It, it, to, to just talk about tithe for a second, we're not gonna get caught up in that conversation, but to talk about tithe for a second, 400 years before Moses instituted tithe as law, there's a man named Abraham, and Abraham tithed before the law. So if people tell you tithing is a law thing, no, it's, it's not a law thing. It, it happened 400 years before the law, and Jesus in the New Testament encouraged the people to continue to tithe. They, they, were, not being, they were not being kind and gracious, and Jesus said, listen, you, you, you make it a point to tithe, and you should do so, but don't forget the more important things of love and kindness. And that's, so, so if Jesus wanted to eliminate the tithe as a principle, he could have eliminated it right there, but he didn't. He said you should, con so let's not get caught up in that conversation. Let's get, let's get caught up in this. When, when Abraham gave, he had already been blessed by God to win a battle. And then a priest comes to him, Melchizedek, and he blesses him with food and with wine. And then in response to that, Abraham gives a gift, a tenth of everything that he had earned that God had already given him. So watch this, God blesses even we, when we don't bless God. He's that good. If you are his kid, he, I, never, I, I never once told my kid, like they came to me and they said, hey dad, can I have something to eat? And I said, well, what have you done for me lately? <laughs> That's not how I react to my kids. Like, if my kids need food or the necessities of life. Now, if my kid isn't being responsible, I'm not gonna give him a car. Okay. But I'm gonna give him food. I'll if my kid goes to jail, I'll go visit him in prison. But, but I'm not gonna reward a lack of obedience. But I will give him the basic necessities of life as a father. And so God will bless and he will continue to give even if you continue to consume. God blesses, here's the, but this is the cycle. God blesses, we consume, we lack, we fear, and then we blame and complain. Let's talk about how to create a, an abundance mindset. Second Corinthians chapter six, or chapter nine, I'm sorry. Second Corinthians chapter nine, if you could go there with me. I wanna to read to you this, this is what I believe is one of the most important scriptures on giving in the entire New Testament. Chapter nine, and I'm gonna start in verse six. Watch this. 
I'm reading again from the New Living Translation. Remember this, a farmer who plants only a few seeds will get a small crop. But the one who plants generously will, will get a generous crop. You must each decide in your heart how much to give. Now watch this, and do not give reluctantly or in response to pressure. Can I tell you something? One of the things I love about this church is that we never put pressure on people to give. I'm never gonna come to you and be like, if you guys don't give, we're gonna have to turn the lights off, so you better give today, because if we're in that condition, we should have shut our doors a long time ago, and we've mismanaged this whole thing, because that's not the way things should operate. And so that's on us, that's not on you. If we've mismanaged it to the point where we can't pay the bills, then that's our fault, not your fault as the body. It's not your fault. So we're not gonna put pressure on you to give, and if you ever feel pressure to give, don't. It's not biblical for people to manipulate you or to attach your healing to a gift. Come on, somebody. It's never biblical for God, for them to say, if you do this, God will do. That's, that's not the way God works. Remember, I just told you, he blesses because he loves you. Now, there is, there is, there is an extravagance poured, about, poured out on those who are extravagant, but that's a whole different topic. But we are not gonna manipulate there's never gonna be, if you give in this year-end offering, next year, God's gonna give your family health. That is a lie from the pit of hell. Don't give. If you hear that, don't give. Run as fast as you can. Okay, so he says, don't give reluctantly or in response to pressure, because God, this is what God loves, a cheerful giver. See, I, I, I want to build a culture here at Calvary Church that when we talk about generosity, it's one of the most exciting parts of the entire day. When we get to the offering, we're just as excited about the offering time as we were the worship time and the word time. I wanna build a culture here that we just live and are passionate about being generous, like it drives us. I wanna go to church today because I wanna see who I can bless. I wanna see who I can give to. I, God gave me 100 bucks this weekend. I, I wanna give a $10 bill to somebody. I wanna bless somebody else. God, God's been so good to me. I wanna go meet somebody at church that I can be good to. That, like that's the mindset. I don't want a mindset of I need to go to church today so I can get what's owed to me from God and church and the preacher. Let's build a mindset where I'm coming to church to give, and you're like, well, what if I have a need? The best time to give is when you have a need. What if I'm hurting? The best time to heal is when you are hurting. I, I, okay, for God loves a person who gives cheerfully, and God will generously provide all you need. Then you will always have everything you need. Watch this, and plenty left over to share with others. What did I say? When God gives to us more, it's to save and to share. It's to save and to share. As the scriptures say, they share freely and give generously to the poor. Their deeds, their good deeds will be remembered forever. For God is the one who provides seed for the farmer and then bread to eat. In the same way, he will provide and increase your resources and then, and then produce a great harvest of generosity in you. Yes, you will be enriched in every way so that you can always be generous. What God is saying, I wanna change your mindset from there is never enough. Hey, feed them. With what? To an abundance mindset. Let's go look for something to give. I've got something to give. I've got something in a utility room somewhere, in a box somewhere that somebody needs. Somebody's trash is somebody else's treasure. I've got stuff that, that's just sitting there that somebody could use. Come on, man. 
This is what, and as a, as a follower of Jesus, this is what we look for. We look for opportunities to give our stuff away. We look for those opportunities. And it produces a great harvest of generosity in you. You will be enriched in every way so that you can always be generous. You'll never, you'll never be saying, there's not enough. Man, I hate living paycheck to paycheck. It's, it's, it's a mindset. I, I wanna change your mindset so that you can always be, not just always pay the bills, but always be generous. So he says, and, and when we take your gifts to those in need, they will thank God. So watch this, you, you, you're generous and thanksgiving occurs. Instead of complaining and blaming, you get thanksgiving. Come on, man, isn't that good? So let's talk about this real quick. Let's talk about how to create a mindset of abundance. Here's, the, here's, the, here's a cycle of abundance. So you wanna break the cycle of poverty? Let's create a cycle of abundance. God blesses, right? Again, it's the same, it begins the same way. God blesses, we give generously, our faith grows, the result is thanksgiving. And thanksgiving leads to more generosity. Okay, so I create a new cycle. God blesses, my, my first decision is to be generous. My first decision isn't to take care of me, it's to bless someone else. So I break the cycle of poverty by, by when God blesses, I don't consume it for me, I'm generous. Let me, let me talk about how, how, what God multiplies. So God will bless his kids, but he will multiply generous people. Okay? There's a, there's a multiplication that begins to happen in your life when you're generous. You, you get blessed just because you're his kid. He's gonna give you food and take care of your needs, but the multiplication happens when you become generous. Watch, we become generous. How do I, how do I become generous? I first... I, when I get resources and income and things, my first thought is to give away. So watch this, Matthew six thirty three. Seek first the kingdom, his righteousness, all these things will be given to you as well. God multiplies what is given first. Malachi chapter three, verse 10 says, bring the whole tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. Test me in this, says the Lord God Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will not be room enough to store it. Can I talk to you, just, just give you a brief uh, number. Let me just give you this number. I don't need to go into any detail. Let me give you this number. Um, Calvary Church, the average church in America gives 5% of its revenue away. Our church in 2018 has given 15% of its revenue straight back out into other churches, ministries, people, the local community to help others. That's 10% above the national average. And the reason I'm confident in asking you to tithe to Calvary is because Calvary sets the example for you. I'm not gonna... I, no wonder churches have a problem with money. They're only giving 5% and they're asking the people to give 10% and more. You can't expect the people to do what you will not accept the example and do yourself. So 10% is our bar, but we end up this year, it's 15%. By the end of the year, it's gonna be even more. So I, I wanna encourage you that the reason God blesses and we're never up here begging is because the church sets an example of generosity. Now you might not like the organization that we give to, but that's not your problem, that's ours. Okay, one of the, one of the reasons maybe you complain about that is because of your mindset. 
Remember, one of the, one of the things that happens to people with a poverty mindset is they, they, they're critical of the way others spend their money. Church should have done this, but it did that. And we'll have to answer to God for all of that, but don't waste your time complaining about what others are doing. It's really just an indicator that you've mismanaged your own finances. Well, praise the Lord, somebody. I'm just trying to help. Proverbs 3, 9 through 10. Honor the Lord from your wealth and from the first of all your produce. So your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will overflow with new wine. Watch this. When you give God the first, you set a pattern for the rest. 90 plus God 90% plus God is better than 100% all by myself. And, And I know you're sitting here and you're like, Robbie, you don't understand. You're asking me to arrange my whole life around God. Yes. Yes, I am. Robbie, I'll have to change everything. Yes. Yes, you will. To do that, it would take crazy faith. Absolutely. That's the point. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. (laughs) It doesn't take faith to give what's left. It takes faith to give what's first. And we and you should leverage all that we have for kingdom results. Robbie, you want my whole life to be about God? (laughs) Yes! God blesses what is given first, what is given sacrificially. Will you stand with me? Mark 12, 41 through 44, Jesus sat down opposite the place where the offerings were put and watched the crowd putting their money into the temple treasury. Many rich people threw in large amounts, but a poor widow came and put in two very small copper coins worth only a few cents. Calling his disciples to him, Jesus said, truly I tell you this, This poor widow has put more into the treasury than all of the others. Watch this. They gave out of their wealth, but she out of her poverty. You say, I don't have anything to get. I'm in poverty. Whoa, wait a second. You have everything to give. So the difference that day was not how much money they had or how much money they gave. It was the condition of their heart when they gave. They gave out of abundance. Doesn't take faith to give out of abundance. It takes faith to give out of poverty. Let the weak say I am strong and let the poor say I am rich. She might've been poor, but she didn't have a poor mindset. She had an abundant mindset. Why, how do you know that? Because she gave everything. It's powerful. Proverbs 11. 24 through 25 says, there is one who scatters yet increases more. And there's one who withholds more than is right, but it leads to poverty. The generous soul will be made rich and he who waters will also be watered himself. The message Bible puts it this way. The world of generous people gets larger and larger. The world of the stingy gets smaller and smaller. God increases and multiplies what is given first, what is given sacrificially what is given cheerfully, and what is planned. Watch this, Isaiah 32, eight says, generous people plan to do what is generous, and they stand firm in their generosity. You have to make a plan. 
You can't leave today with good intentions. Good intentions won't change the thing. You have to put a plan together for your resources. If you wanna be generous, you have to sit down with your wife and say, what do we need to change in our behavior to be generous people? How do, we need to, how do we need to stop consuming for ourselves so that we can be generous with what God has given us? How do we need to adjust our lifestyle? Are we living in a house we can't afford? Do we, do we have a bunch of stuff we can't afford? Do we have something we could sell that would put us in a better place for our future? Did, did, did we spend seven years buying a bunch of stuff and God said, I want you to spend seven years saving and now we've got that stuff, what do I do, sell it? Yes. What do you want me to do, live in a smaller house? Yeah, if that'll help you be free. What do you want me to do, not drive a Mercedes? Yeah, if driving a Ford would make you have more at the end of the month, absolutely. What do I need to do? I can't just go out here with good intentions, hoping for a raise, hoping for another seven years of increase. We could be in a seven year famine at any moment. 2008 could happen at any moment again. And all of our retirements disappear and everything we thought was there disappears. And all this stuff we bought has no value anymore. Could happen and God's saying, I want you to use this time. All we're hearing, all we're hearing, the economy's good. Jobs are good, pay's increasing. It's, it's, it's increase because the potential for poverty is always there. The potential for famine is always there. So I don't live in fear, not live in faith. I'm gonna take this time of increase and I'm gonna be a good steward so that whatever comes, I'm gonna be ready. There was a famine all over the world except for in Egypt because they saved, amen.